one of the things that the the people that are forecasting what's going to be uh, focused on in the budget by the Liberals is skills retraining. Many Canadian employers have complained that they can't find skilled workers to fill their jobs. And many workers have complained, I don't have the skills now that I need to adapt to a changing labor market. Although the results of a recent study say 45% of Canadian job applicants don't meet these skill requirements, but companies are still willing to train them. Here to talk about it, Rabina Ahmed Hawk. She is a personal finance expert here at 640 Toronto. Welcome to the show, Rabina. Good to have you on. Thanks for having me, Kelly. So we're hearing that, um, according to this this recent uh, poll, 45% of Canadian job applicants don't meet the skilled requirements, but they are still applying for jobs even if they're not fully qualified. Does that uh, strike you as interesting that three and four, three out of four professionals would still apply for a job they're not qualified for? No, not at all. I think that, you know, if you are someone that's hoping to and and wanting to climb that corporate ladder or climb up in a company, that you should always be applying for a job that's just outside of your skill set, just outside of your comfort zone. And then hoping that, you know, the company that does decide to hire you sees the talents that you have and knows that with some training that you can get up to speed. Of course, there are some jobs where you need to have the skills to do it. I mean, I don't wouldn't want my doctor to be sort of qualified to diagnose whatever it is that I have. I would want someone that was fully, uh, fully trained to be able to do that. But in some places, especially technical jobs, you may already have a lot of experience working in that industry. And it's just a question of sending you on a training course or putting you on, into a program for six months where all of a sudden you're up to speed and you are now that highly skilled worker that companies are desperate for in Canada. I mean, we've been talking about uh, the gap in highly skilled workers in Canada for five, six years now, where Canadian companies, especially tech companies, are leaving Canada to get the workers to fill often very high-paying jobs because they simply don't have uh, the talent here in Canada to hire. I understand that 58% of employees have landed a position they were underqualified for. Is that because they're taking transferable skills and uh, saying, well, I've got all these, all you have to do is build on these and I'm going to be perfect for your company? Well, I mean, that's what it is, right? So when a company hires you, they will look at your uh, experience. They will look at the list of your accomplishments that you've had, whether it's in the company that you already work or whether you're applying for a brand new job in a brand new corporation or brand new, uh, brand new company. Um, and then they will see whether this is, if this person has skills that we can build on. I mean, it's not always about having all the skills. And this is really good advice for young people who may sometimes feel a little apprehensive about applying for jobs that they don't feel like they check all those boxes. I mean, this survey by Robert Half, which is an HR recruitment company, finds that 86% of companies are willing to uh, train a candidate who has some of the skills, but maybe not all the skills. Because sometimes it's not just about all the skills that you have. It also has to do with, do you fit the company culture? Are you, you know, do you have the right uh, characteristics that they look for, for someone that's going to get along with everybody in the office? I mean, they look at all those other softer skills too, to hire the right person that's going to help their bottom line. Yeah. 45% of applicants don't have the skills and um, are reluctant to uh, apply for the job. I would imagine those would also include women because I remember reading somewhere that on resumes when you know they've got the uh, resume put together and they look at the job requirements a lot of women if they don't tick off you know the majority they just bow out where men tend to go oh I got three of those here you go 
Well, this is the thing, right? This is the difference between women applicants and men applicants is that women often uh, do feel, especially those who have been out of the workforce, maybe they were, they took time away to have children or they had to take time away to help their aging parents. And now they're back in the workforce applying for jobs. And often even languages change. So all of a sudden you look at the the, the job spec and it's like, oh my goodness, I don't even know what these things mean anymore. But I really would encourage women, even if you've been out of the workforce for five or six years, to look at your experience, see how you can explain them in more upgraded language, and also just learn what those things are. Maybe mm-hmm. you do have those skills, and you just haven't been around the workforce, you haven't been hearing those, you know, just right now. The buzz terms. Word, the buzz terms. Someone just used the word thought leader. And I thought, oh, that, I mean, I know. Thought leader? Oh, that insists upon itself. I I can't be alone in that. (laughs) So someone said, you know, you really have to present yourself as a thought leader. Now, would you, Kelly, consider me a thought leader in personal finance? I would hope so. I would definitely uh, uh, play, you know, if I was applying for a job, I'd say, you know, I'm a thought leader when it comes to personal finance. I prefer expert. It rolls off the tongue in a less (laughs) um, pompous way, less arrogant way. Uh, Would skill training, you know, we're hearing about it possibly being a big part of the uh, budget. Would skill training clash uh, cash rather be better spent by giving it to applicants or companies? Oh, good question. I mean, I think it's better invested in individuals because then you get the people that really do want to upgrade. So creating programs that are accessible, that are not expensive, that are available in your community. So for an example, we know that many people in Oshawa are going to be losing their jobs. Many of them have high, high, high skills and they're already trained to do things that I would never imagine be, you know, being able to do. It would take me years to learn to do what they do. So being able to build on that skill skill set that they already have and get them trained to do something else in the automotive industry would be money well spent in my in in my uh, in my opinion but i mean i don't think giving the money to companies is going to help i think individuals and making sure that the people who really want to be retrained the people who really want to now have the skills where they can go out into the workforce and get more um uh, a job that pays them more that that's where they should target their uh, attention do you think the skills training will be leaning towards um the tech industry oh 100 percent. yeah i think that i mean i think most i mean not that i'm saying that soft industries don't deserve attention mm-hmm. but that is where the the gap is i mean you're we're always hearing about how companies in waterloo companies out in vancouver i mean th- these are people that need uh, uh applicants who have very specific skills and they are very specific technical skills and it doesn't necessarily mean that they're difficult to learn it's just that maybe that resource hasn't been made available so you may have an engineering degree but maybe you don't know how to do that specific specific job at a specific engineering company. So getting that person trained to do that type of job, all of a sudden they're much more marketable. And I always, always recommend, and I know this sometimes goes against what, what career, a career counselors might say, is make yourself as, uh, you know, uh, really drill down exactly what it is that you do that differenti- differentiates yourself from everybody else, almost to the point where you're a subject matter expert and there's only two or three of you in your industry that can do it. That makes you more marketable than being a jack of all trades, in my humble opinion. Well, you are a thought leader in personal finance. Well, I mean, of course. So, I mean, I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Rabina, it's always a pleasure having you on the show. Thanks so much for being here. Thanks, Kelly. Cheers. Rubina Ambang-Hawk is a personal finance expert, thought leader, for those of you who are trying to bone up on your business speak.